Mission on Sound, Talk 8, counting from last Friday, 2015. So we'll continue today talking um, from what Fuho and Jogan commented on. Tori Zinji, actually it's Tori Inji Zinji. Um, Tori Inji Zinji, his comments on faith. And they were, they were very eloquent, uh, so I would like to to cover that same territory again, because it's the kind of thing that we can always look at more carefully. So it begins. When sentient beings follow the great way, they get delivered of vain fantasies. Once freed of these, the authentication of the vast wisdom of the Tathagata is entered. And so all sentient beings are benefited and gladdened. Faith is the first requirement, and with it the vows are taken. Faith is the life spring of all religions. Faith is the life spring of all spiritual practice. So what do we have faith in? Now, as we do this talk, it is important to Hold your mind really large. You can see the room. You can see my hands. You can see the Buddha. You can see the light. You can see the people in the room. You can see the floor. Have awareness of your own body. Hold the vision really large. And holding that vision large, the words will stream through. If that's too challenging, then you can focus on the words specifically. But as a way of keeping the mind from wandering, try to hear each word, try to hear each syllable, try to to focus the mind. Focus means, in this sense, bring it into alertness, bring it into view. You can either do it on the the syllable-by-syllable, word-by-word basis, or on the whole room basis. Because when we're talking about faith, we have to be talking about our practice as this, at this moment. So right now, at this moment, what do we have faith in? What do we really, truly, if they were encounter a really difficult time, right now at this moment, what do we have faith in? What would we begin to fall back on? What would we begin to do? What would we begin to use? What strategy? What strategic approach fits our faith. Traditionally, faith has three meanings. One is a belief in God, Allah, or some religious doctrine. Something that we may not have a rational explanation for, but God said it, I believe it. Then, another another aspect of of belief, another aspect of faith, is belief in the trustworthiness. The trustworthiness of a person, an idea, or a thing. So what is it that's trustworthy? And the third aspect of faith is loyalty. Loyalty to a person, as in good faith. Loyalty to a community, to 
have faith in the Sangha. Now, in the spiritual practice, all of these kinds of faith are going to be important at some point. At some point, we just do not know. And there's nothing but faith in the, the great mystery, wherever this thing came from. I have no idea. And at some point, we have to have trust in our decision to follow the Dharma. And at some point, we have to have trust in the teachings of the Dharma, and the way they come forth. And at some point, we have to have trust in our companions along the way. What do we have faith in? I learned two new words. One is fightism, reliance on faith alone rather than reason, fightism, and pistology, a branch of religious studies that studies faith, two words I was unfamiliar with. So we're kind of doing a pistological analysis today. So again, this question of what do we have faith in is really important. So again, open your awareness to the room. Make sure that you're aware of the room. Make sure you're aware of your whole body. And if I say, you're a duck, most people don't have faith in that notion. And they may even laugh because it's absurd. There, is another, there are other truths here, but we're going to leave that, that one for the time being. <laughs> or if we say, we, 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 we laugh kind of at something that seems absurd, I'm a duck. And we think, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. I, mean, I don't have the attributes of a duck. If we say, I'm a Korean, well, that's not true. I wasn't born in Korea. As far as I know, none of you were. Or if we say, I'm blue. Or I had steak for lunch. We can think anything. We can think anything. So when we say things like, I had steak for lunch, you are blue, you're a duck, and the mind says, no, I didn't, that's not true. That means we actually have faith in something else. We're relying upon something else. We're not relying upon somebody said this, and therefore I have faith in it. We're relying on something else. Now, we can think anything. We have the capacity to think anything, no matter how vile, no matter how glorious, we have the capacity to have any kind of thought flow through our awareness. So we know, just from our experiment right here, that we don't actually believe every thought that comes through, that we actually have some other thing that we have faith in. Now again, as I'm talking with this level, hold the mind really large. 
And just let these words and ideas and thoughts just stream through. So now, if we think, well, I have at least nine fingers, or I have more than one elbow, why do we think that is kind of in accord with what we have faith in? And I'm a duck, not. Worth, worth pondering. There's some other thing we're holding here. Now, there's been a lot of inquiry. People have been gone around on surveys and asked people, do you think you are more or less insightful than other people? If you were to ask you right now, are you more insightful than other people? The general group answer is about 80, 85% people say, yes, I am. Somebody to ask you, are you really more considerate than others? Well, most of us would say, yeah, sure, I'm probably more considerate than others. 80 or 85% of us probably, maybe even higher in this group. Now, it's very interesting because normally if you just pick a random group of people, you would expect it to be about 50%. Half the people are less considerate, half people more considerate. You know, we all kind of come out to some average. But all of us have some belief. As Jogan pointed so out so eloquently, we really do believe the universe revolves around us. We really do believe, regardless of all the evidence of the universe, all the contrary evidence, we really do believe that this is really important and we are special. We are holding a belief. We have faith in a certain kind of belief. It's very important for practice. What do we have faith in? Now, if we're holding the whole view, again, hold the whole view, and you imagine you come into Sanzen and you know, Jogan shakes his head and says, sorry, your practice is kind of miserable. You're really getting nowhere. I'm sorry, but you know, you're not going to experience the deep realizations that the old masters talk about. You know, you're just a loser. Now, depending upon how extreme it was, some of us actually believe that. If we hold the whole field, all sorts of good things come forth. Ooh, you are so beautiful and handsome and wise and strong, and obviously you're sensitive, and obviously you're a very cultured person who has deep spiritual aspiration and insight, and my, oh my, what a wonderful, wonderful being you are. I'm so happy to have met you, and you're going to change my whole life by being in contact with you. Or, oh God, you're just, you know, you're a loser. You've done nothing in your life. You're going to do nothing in your life. You have no capacity in your life. 
you obviously are kind of inadequate at birth, and you've been going downhill ever since. I mean, no? <laughs> The first place of practice that we have to do, we've been talking about this for days, is to separate ourselves from all of this, all these words that float through the mind. Words of good and words of bad and words of absurdity and words that are ra very rational and reasonable to really separate ourselves from. They're just passing through. They're just passing through. Our faith cannot be based upon words that are just passing through. So what is it that, that our faith is based on? What is it that we can right now We tend to give validity to words if they somehow match a fixed view that we're holding, a view that we're holding really subconsciously about ourselves, an idea we have about who we are. We have this notion of I am a and then if something comes along that matches our particular notion, Oh, yes. Fits me, I'll wear it. So the first level of practice has to be we can't have faith in the words. Our words or any other people's words. That's what the, there's a whole sutra that we can talk about some other time. The, uh, just slip my mind. Where the Buddha says, the basis of your spiritual path is not what somebody else said. So what is it the basis of our spiritual path? What do we have faith in? We've all had the experience of people coming to practice. We say we share, the, share our practice with them. We talk about it a little bit. We invite them to come to the Dharma Center. We invite them to come home. We teach them how to meditate. And we've had, all of us, I'm sure, have had from one to thousands of people who, within a few minutes, they sit down, they kind of adjust their posture, and within a half an hour they think, you know, this is not how it should be. It doesn't fit my idea of how it should be. And they're gone. They encounter a spiritual path, and they may encounter rich, deep, genuine teachings. But if it doesn't happen, they don't happen to match their view, or it doesn't happen to match their sense inside, it just has no connection. Right on through. Hakuin Zenji, Tori Zenji's teacher, says the level ground is littered with corpses. Meaning in the spiritual path, people start off climbing to the spiritual heights, the peak of the summit of wonder. And while the ground is still flat, before they even have begun to breathe heavily, going up the mountain, they've given up. Hold the view. Bring your awareness back to the whole room. Feel the breath. If your awareness is in the room and you feel 
the light of the room, the floor, the walls. You hear that frog croaking. And you breathe, and you feel your body breathing. There's a frog croaking. Is that movement inside your awareness or outside your awareness? When you are holding your view of the whole room and you're aware of breath, simultaneously the whole room is breathing. This awareness that we have is a fundamental experience. And this has to be the foundation of real faith. Because you are directly tasting it. And so in our school, faith is not about belief in ideas or belief in thoughts. Nor is it about having things confirmed our fixed view about things, our fixed interpretation, our opinions. Nor is it about any particular thing. It is about this very awareness. The essence of experience. The essence of awareness. Not the content of it. Hold the view. Be aware of the whole room. Everything is shifting and moving and flowing. Everything is going through our awareness like waves, perturbations on the ocean. It's going through our awareness just as a river, a creek, a stream flows through. This shift from I am this lump, shaped with so many fingers and toes. This shift from I'm a man, or I'm a woman. This shift from I am this to flipping over. I am awareness itself. The I am is extra. Awareness itself. Awareness has no gender. Awareness is always right now. Has no past. It has no future. This shift in awareness from believing and clinging to and grasping at our little ordinary view, our little ordinary self, our always changing karmic circumstances. From believing that somehow in this vast, infinite universe, infinite number of, as far as we know, billions, billions upon billions of galaxies, 
hundreds of thousands, perhaps even hundreds of thousands of millions of billions, stars in the galaxies, that somehow in this vast, enormous cosmos, which is beyond the reach of our little mind, in all the realms of space and time, we turned out to be a smelly, oozy biped with a brain the size of a pea. Our awareness holds galaxies. Our awareness holds the whole earth. Our awareness holds dark and light. Our awareness holds coming and going, young and old. Make this shift right now. Go of the fixed view of the small, smelly biped. Awareness itself. And it's not about, I am now going to be aware. Awareness is always aware. You have nothing to do with it. This is the foundation of faith. And all the teachers' teachings, the sangha, the buildings, the grounds, serve to help us and to support us and guide us into making that shift. Now, this is not the end of practice. This is not the ultimate teaching. And there is no ultimate teaching. But this is a vital shift in practice. Hold that view. Torizenji says, this is faith in the heart. Obviously, by heart, he doesn't mean the thumpity-thump thing that is erratic and you know, will eventually stop. It means faith in the essence. Faith in what is true. Faith in what is genuine, not the emotionally fickle heart that gets excited when somebody says, ooh, I like you. And then... As soon as they criticize us, we start wondering about their intelligence. Here's what Tori Zinji says. Tori Zinji says, faith is like a compass on a foggy sea, a magnetic needle that points in the direction. And Dai Zinji, who also commented in this text, said, Master Tori's heart was brimful of faith. And as he was talking from his heart, so we too must listen from our heart. The faith in the way things are, fundamentally. So when we say all things are whole and complete, obviously, at least this particular broken level, it's anything but. We watch our particular culture go through a very hard time, more hard times. We can't have faith in that. Here's what Master Tori says. If you wish to perfect this way, you must have the great root of faith. What is this root of faith? To believe in. I think rather than believe in, I think to, to actually taste that we are fundamentally endowed with the heart nature and the immeasurable wisdom of all the Buddhas. That's what this awareness is. 
Again, it is all-encompassing. It is always present. It is not born and die. It does not die. Look. It is always here. It is not dependent. It is dependent upon us turning our mind and saying, I will be aware. The content of that awareness sometimes is sleepy, groggy, horrible nausea. But awareness is always present. This, to believe that this awareness is fundamentally our heart nature, to believe that this awareness is where all the immeasurable wisdom of the Buddhas and the sages arise from, is the root of faith. If we believe that the wisdom and teaching from all the sages is derived from their own little fervid brains, be pretty ordinary. And they certainly would not have gone down the millennium because all people's ordinary brains have a common, some common denominators and it just becomes a competing marketplace. But when teachings come from the extraordinary mind, the extraordinary view, over the millennia they touch. They touch the same thing. They awaken the same awareness. And so the Buddha's work it's two and a half millennia ago can touch and awaken something. It's always right here. It's not old. It's not out of date. It's the same thing the Buddha knew. The same mind as the Buddha. So at night when we're sitting in the dark, we light one candle absolute difference between the pitch dark of the night and one candle. There's also a big difference between that one candle and the full noon sun. So just the fact that we have a little glimmer of awareness does not mean that it's noon. He continues that with this kind of faith that there are neither great nor small roots neither sharp nor dull energy, that all who train will attain the way. That everybody who looks for the truth will find the truth. Why? Because they came from nothing but that. And it's not a thing. If it's a thing, it would come and go. It's not a thing. It's always present. Everybody who seriously comes to train and to look We'll see it. Again, we're talking about different dimensions of practice here. But this is the state of faith. Depending on the ripening strength of meditation, various stages are experienced. But mistaking them for entering confirmation leads into falling into confused views. Everything passes through. And no serious religious person, well, actually, let me read the last. And when the time comes and efforts suffice, the Buddha nature will suddenly appear, and that without having recourse to intellectual, intellectualization, 
or discrimination. You will just know. One of the interesting hallmarks of insight, and all of you have had that experience, is at some point something just becomes obvious to you. You know, somebody can be trying to describe to you the color orange, and you don't have a clue what they're talking about, and suddenly you see an orange, and oh, there it is, I see it. And suddenly you didn't understand, and suddenly you do. Suddenly you find, we, one session we had a bunch of magic eye pictures, the, the pattern pictures, and you look into them and you can see images coming out of the apparently chaotic surface. At one time you to see chaos, and then the other time you are still looking at exactly the same thing, and suddenly it comes into view, comes into focus. In a way, it's always present, but no serious religious person, no serious religious person thinks this is easy. In the Christian tradition, there's a man who lived in uh, Germany in World War II. He was martyred. His name was Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He lived in terrible times. He was a deeply religious person. And he called this view of easy understanding cheap grace. Cheap grace. In his case, as a, as a uh, I think Lutheran minister, he said cheap grace was forgiveness without confession or justice. and grace without sacrifice. We're North Americans. We like to get things cheaply. But when something comes, costs too little, it's not worth so much. It can be shoddily made. Easy come, easy go. We don't, don't really appreciate the value of it. Bonhoeffer said, no one in the whole world can change truth. One can only look for the truth, find it, and serve it. So right now, look for the truth. Hold this view. Everything is passing through. You've breathed Many times since we started talking, you've had lots of sensations and things flow through your experience. Your view, your awareness is still awareness. Sometimes it's aware of dark. Sometimes it's aware of light. It all flows through. Now, awareness is not a thing either. It's not like there's a witness back there that's witnessing everything. So the faith in Buddhist tradition is what's always present. It's not faith in the trappings. Those of you who are young, trappings refers to the, the uh, decorations they would put on horses in parades. So Tori Zinji says, various states are experienced. But don't get caught up on the states. Don't get caught up in the looks of the thing. People say all the time things like, oh, I'm enlightened, I'm holding the awakened view, I am wise, I'm holy, I'm cool. You know, I humbly admit that I really am special. 
These are just immature words of insecure people. Being very concerned with how others see us and trying to paint a picture that we like, that we hope others will like. We've had people here who have been very, very sensitive to where they were positioned in line and how what people called them and where they sat. We were very, very serious about making sure everybody thinks they're wise. Coming into Sanzen to prove something. All that is just stuff. It's not relevant. Stuff passes through. <clears throat> One day I'm sitting on this seat. Before you know it, I'll be lying in the ground. It's just a particular phase, just a role. Everything passes through. So faith is based on the experience. Everything is passing through. Faith is based on the experience that I feel good, I feel bad. People like me, people don't like me. No one, by the way, as an aside from that, no one can avoid being criticized. It's just a given. If you're a, a quiet little mouse who hangs out in the corner, you get criticized for being a quiet little mouse who hangs out in the corner. If you're a big and bombastic fool, you get criticized for being a big bombastic fool. If you're trying to be somebody who is too dignified, you get criticized for that. Somebody will criticize you regardless. You know, it's just stuff. It's not important. Easy and hard, day and night. All the people who pass through our lives. Everything passes through. Our view. So again, this is the foundation of faith. The foundation that, of course, each of you already has. This is from Hakuin Zinji. Hakuin Zinji says, in 1737, about 200 years ago, 300 years ago, a fire broke out in my neighborhood. I sent my servant, Kakuzemon, to find out what was happening. Kakuzemon came running back, gasping for breath, and made the following report. Ah, there is nothing as terrifying as hateful as fire. 800 dwellings suddenly reduced to ash. How damaging, how horrible it is. And yet it also has a trait I admire. What would that be, I asked. The ask was Hakuin. It occurred to me on a considering how rapidly fire spreads in the darkness that if it burned with a black flame, it would destroy many more human lives. And I probably wouldn't be here because I would have been burned up. It's so fortunate that flames burn so brightly, even tiny fires small as a bean or grain of wheat flicker like stars, almost as though they had consciousness of their own. So, Hakuin says, Kakuzemon's words set me thinking. I turned them over and over in my mind. A black fire. The black fire of impermanence. The black fire of birth and death. The black fire 
of impermanence and birth and death moves with wind-like speed, never ceasing day or night, and consumes us all. We can't see it unless we look. Not a single person, young or old, exalted or lowly, priest or layman, wise or foolish, can can escape its destruction. We had no shouts of fire, fire, black fire, or ever heard. Moreover, the principle of karmic retribution, cause and effect, works perfectly right before our eyes. Even the smallest, most minor evil consumed with this fire. The most frightening thing is most people remain unaware of this. Until sooner or later they're constantly enveloped in the flames. It's truly sad. I shouted, Kakiza! He looked up. Don't say that you returned here alive and unharmed. Don't you know that you've been burned to a crisp? You're a lump of charcoal. Kagozan sat with a blank look on his face. Ah! I gave a great shout. His blankness only deepened. Hold the view. Everything is passing through, being consumed. All of the young people become old. All the old people become dead. In Hakoman's day, everything was built. People massed together with wooden structures. 800 buildings gone. 800 families probably suddenly bereft. No insurance. No food, all their belongings and everything burn up. You know? Flash of light. Gone. It could happen to us, of course, in our own way. One earthquake. Lights went off a few minutes ago, a while ago, for some reason. We're very fortunate they come back on again. It all passes through the good times and the dark times. It all passes through. The black fire of impermanence burns everything but awareness. And so Tori Zenji says, we ordinary beings too are fully endowed with the true nature of all the Buddhas, with the wisdom of all the Buddhas. This faith Tori Zinji says that the sec- another aspect of faith is if you look for it, you're going to find it. You can't miss. But why practice if all we have to do is hold the view? Why don't we just sit around holding the view? You know? Sit around, eyes popped out, mouths open, Duh. holding the view. It may be that we actually see. You know, all the great teachers say it's not hard to see the truth. I mean, we've, you know, we've 
and see it, and you open your eyes, and you look around. It's not hard to see the truth. It's not hard to see that. Well, what is hard? What is very, 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 very hard is to step outside, to let go of, to drop our fixed views, our habits of mind. They are so deeply entrenched, they take over very quickly. We've been working through this sound session, saying just to hear sound, just hear sound, just hear the sound, just hear the sound. All the different teachings we've been giving around sound. But very quickly, our view comes in. I'm doing it right. I'm doing it wrong. I understand it. It's got this way. It's that way. You know, boring, not deep enough, not true enough, whatever. People have, and we've seen this over and over, people come, they actually have insight, pretty clear insight, into the true nature of things. We just have to look for it. Step out of the way a little bit. And it's a little bit there. A little bit away. But because all of our habits are so strong and so densely packed, they quickly take over again. We fall back. We just go back to, we have a regression to the mean. We just go back to what is familiar. And then any experience we have becomes just a memory. A nice experience. I'd like to get that back. We forget it completely. So because that's the case, we have to not only see what is true, hold the view right now, but we have to practice assiduously. We have to practice endlessly. We have to practice completely until that becomes the foundation of our being to really make that shift. And that may be slow or long, many times. It's never one particular experience. It's an endless experience. In the realm of experience, things always come and go, of course. So people come into Sanzen You say, what is your state of mind? What's your experience? What do you hear? Nobody is asking about history, especially during Sashin. What is true right now? Because we are insecure we fall back into belief. We fall back into habit. Fall back into the rational mind in this particular culture. Fall back into things that we have seen yesterday or last week or last year or last month or last decade. So we hold the view. Right now, hold the view. Frog is still croaking. Someone to say, What is true? What do you answer? It's not about history. If it's about history, then when we are really sick, 
who are lying in bed, or who are dying, or if you've had anybody, perhaps people, some people who have had near-death experiences, who are really, really depressed, who are really overwhelmed. If it's about experiences, it does not hold up. Experience comes and goes. We can have a great experience. Oh, boy, that was so wonderful. And then we come to a time we really could use that experience, and it's gone completely. Any experience we have will serve to confirm faith sometimes, to confirm our continuing to step forward on the paths of practice. The experience, and there's lots of experiences, all kinds of experiences. Some dramatic, some not dramatic. If you really are, it's a function of concentration. Experiences are a function of concentration. If you're really concentrated, energy begins to move and different things happen. If your mind is just wandering around and you're not concentrated, then the mind wanders around you're not concentrated. And you kind of just keep cycling through the same old habit thoughts over and over again. The way to cut through is concentration. The way to cut through concentration is lots of levels of concentration. You all heard lots of different teachings about small concentration. This session we've been talking about big concentration. We've been talking about sound concentration. It is concentration. And concentration basically means non-dual. That when we are concentrated on something, we become immersed with it. We become part of it. We are inner it. It's the focus of our attention. That's all our attention is. We're not concentrated. Our mind goes to the left and goes to the right and goes upstairs and goes downstairs and goes back to our memory and goes back to what we're going to have to eat and my legs are uncomfortable. What's the use of that? When we're concentrated, the mind and whatever we're concentrated on comes together. And so we can concentrate on the tip of our finger, the feeling of the hand, or we can concentrate on the whole field of awareness. The whole field of awareness is a, a little harder to concentrate on. It's not a thing. But it is, it is, that's the foundation for experiences. So if you're bored, say, I'd like to have some experiences, concentrate. And when you try to concentrate, of course, all the obstacles to concentration come up. And then in order to Surmount those obstacles, you have to concentrate. There is no easy way around. You know, we're Americans. We're North Americans. We, we always look for the easy way around. I was, I was speculating that may be why that there are some meditative traditions who are really so popular right now. Is It's perceived as, oh, it's an easy way around. Just relax and be mindful. When the reality of, the, of the, really the spiritual path has a kind of challenge to it, and unfortunately requires more than we'd like to give to really embody the truth. We all have stuff, and the stuff is not important. I was writing this and looking around in that, just the room, the tea area, and there's so much stuff in just one room. So much stuff. In this case, we have our stuff is Buddha stuff. Buddhas and Tonkas and scrolls and statues and porcelain statues and paintings and carvings and castings and mokugyos and bells and incense and stupas and books and tea stuff and 
drums and offerings in you know, one little room. Our world is filled with stuff. The stuff is not helpful when we're lying in bed sick. The stuff is not helpful when we're about to die. The stuff is not helpful when everything is going to be left behind. And everything will be left behind. But right now, be aware. Everything flows through. Everything flows through. The Buddha says all compounded things will disappear. There is a figure in the tea area of a Tibetan Tibetan Tanka, Tibetan deity Yamantaka. Yamantaka is the form of Manjushri. Manjushri is the Bodhisattva of wisdom, so it's called the ferocious form of Manjushri. And the ferocious form of Manjushri is this bull-headed demon with uh, just all these weapons in his hands, and he's dancing, and he's just smashing everything. And as wisdom, he's just smashing all the compounded things so that only that which is not compounded will shine through. Only the ultimate will shine through. That is not an ultimate teaching. But it's one that we have to make this shift before we can really take and ripen our practice. That we are not the stuff. Our opinion is just stuffed. So let go of the opinion by turning your awareness to awareness. Or turning your awareness to sound. If we truly are listening to the not a sound, it's not found inside, outside, or in between. It has no location, therefore it's everywhere. You can hear the not a sound and feel your feet, and there's the not a sound still. You can hear the not a sound and hear the frog, which just went quiet. Not a sound is there whether the frog is there or not. You can hear the not a sound and hear my voice. The not a sound is wherever you look at it. Hold your awareness. Continue with Tori Zindi for another minute more. One of the other articles of faith that Tori Zindi talks about is that we have to have faith that my ego is not the best arbitrator, arbiter of <clears throat> my insight. That I can't let a thief 
be in charge of the jewel box. That no matter what we've seen, and hopefully we all, according to our particular karma and age and situation, have had insights. Whatever insight we have, of course, we have to be tested. We have to see if we can stay with that awareness, even through the waves of karmic habit. But the world, you're going to test it. Dan's teacher, Rahab Rinpoche, whom we chant his name in the service in the morning, he says that the true test of practice is a hard time. If you go through a hard time and you come out brighter and clearer, your practice had some merit to it. You go through a hard time and you come out darker and more frazzled, it means you lost, lost the practice. We all become lost and frazzled. But sometimes that lasts a long time, and sometimes it's a very short time. So part of practice is this flipping over, this insight, and then we must, we must take up challenges. We must face the obstacles that the world gives us and practice with them. And of course, everybody here has got a different kind of challenge. The challenge of being a mother is a a big challenge. The challenge of not having a partner is is a big challenge. The challenge of having something to do is a big challenge. The challenge of not having something to do can be a big challenge. Our particular circumstances has challenges in it. And we have to do our best to hold the view and practice with them. Sometimes challenges mean going, and sometimes challenges mean staying. We always tend to fantasize that if I go someplace else, the challenge won't be so hard, or if I go someplace else, it'll be easier. If I go someplace else, I'll be able to manage this particular challenge. And we always have that fantasy that somehow I'm better than I was, and I'll be better in the future. It's, you know, certain. Tori Zinji says, to have faith in the place that when the place of training is where one's own feet stand. And that carbon will ripen according to that. But we must have challenges. And what I feel is important for challenges is that we all have to pick up responsibility for our lives. We all have to pick up responsibility because responsibilities have challenge inherent in them. If we're going to build a bridge, as soon as we take the responsibility for building the bridge, all of the obstacles to building the bridge arise simultaneously. And practicing building the bridge means that we have to meet all the obstacles. That means we practice through. And in this way, any insight that we have becomes matured, becomes ripened, can serve others. So have faith in your own inherent nature. Have faith 
that whatever your circumstance is right now is exactly the place to work. Have faith that if you keep looking and following the path, it will reveal itself to you. The path reveals itself to those who walk it. Have faith that it's not a matter of erudition, education, or even um, intellectual capacity. It's a matter of looking directly. Have faith that you are fully endowed with all of the attributes of a Buddha. Have faith that the wisdom of the Buddhas can come forth in the world through your life. Have faith that the hands of the Bodhisattva of compassion are your hands. And the words of wisdom come through your mouth. With that foundation of faith, hold the view, listen to every sound, and keep breathing.